0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. The podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith and as always, I will be your host. This week we have episode 315 entitled... John's use of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verse 18a. Next week we'll do 18, 18b, but this week we're just going to do the first part of chapter 18, verse 18. Now, over the past few weeks, we have been exploring the many ways in which the Gospel of John illustrates Jesus as... The prophet like Moses from the famous passage in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 all the way to 22. And this week's episode will continue this important Christological study by looking at verse 18. And as I mentioned, we're just going to look at part A of verse 18. And this part reads, God speaking, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, End quote. So in this passage, Yahweh promises to speak through this human prophet in an extraordinary way. This human agent will be speaking the very words of God, the very words of Yahweh, despite the fact that this prophet is distinguished from and is never confused with Yahweh. The one who empowers the prophet so in what ways does the gospel of John paint the Johannine Jesus as the prophetic agent through whom Yahweh is speaking his authoritative words and commands what sort of Christology can we discern in the fourth gospel as we examine Jesus speaking the very words of Yahweh himself Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is Jesus speaks the words of the Father as the authorized agent. And there are many, there are several passages that depict Jesus speaking the words of Yahweh. And what's interesting is that Deuteronomy 18 portrays Yahweh putting his words into the mouth of this prophet. And we look in the Gospel of John, it's Yahweh speaking through a prophet being identified as the Father speaking through the Son. So it's very interesting. The fourth Gospel effectively defines Yahweh as the Father alone and the prophet as the Son, namely Jesus. So in chapter 3, verse 11, Jesus is speaking, but he's, as you're going to see, speaking on behalf of the entire community. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. That's John 3, verse 11. So this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus But very quickly, Jesus goes from speaking in the first person singular to the first person plural. He goes, I say to you, and then he says, we speak. And then while you can't see it in your English translation, Jesus is now addressing a second person plural audience, not just Nicodemus. It's Nicodemus and the people that are behind him in the transmission of this text. And that's a bit more complicated. But the key thing for our study is that Jesus is saying that we speak and testify of what we have seen. There's something that Jesus has seen and experienced, and he is speaking and testifying about that. Later in that chapter, in verse 34, it says that, "...for he whom God has sent..." speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. That's John 3, verse 34. Quite clearly there, he whom God has sent, that of course is Jesus, the Son, and the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. That means he is the prophet. That means that God has put his own words into the mouth of this prophet. In chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus says, It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. That's chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus is indicating that his words, his commands, his oracles possess spirit and life in the sense that the spirit is the life-giving words that Jesus is able to offer. And that, of course, is because those words do not originate with Jesus. They are the words of the Father. And a few verses later, Peter answers Jesus and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Chapter 6, verse 68. And of course, Jesus possesses these words of eternal life because they are God's words, because Yahweh has put those words into the mouth of Jesus. In the next chapter, chapter 7, starting in verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. That is John chapter 7, verses 16-18. through 18. And Jesus quite clearly indicates that there is a distinction between himself and God. He says, my teaching belongs to the one who sent me. The thing that Jesus is teaching, the thing that he is speaking out of his mouth, it doesn't belong to him, it is belonging to the God who sent him. And then Jesus makes a contrast. He says, you're going to decide whether I am speaking of God or whether I speak of myself. Clearly, Jesus does not think that he is God. He distinguishes himself from God. And of course, he says, if you're going to speak of yourself, then you're just trying to glorify yourself. But instead, he is seeking the glory and to do the will of the one who sent him that's interesting jesus describes the god who sent him as the one who sent him this makes jesus a good monotheist jesus describes god as a single person later in that chapter in verse 28 it says that jesus cried out in the temple teaching and saying you both know me and know where i am from And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. That's chapter 7, verse 28. Jesus here again, he is saying and he is teaching that someone sent him. And this indicates that Jesus' teachings and his words belong to the one who sent him, namely God himself. In the next chapter, in chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. That's chapter 8, verse 28. So Jesus, of course, is demonstrating that He is not omniscient. He indicates that He has learned something from the Father, and as the Father has taught Jesus, Jesus now speaks those things not of his own initiative but he's doing it out of obedience to the father and jesus does this because he is that prophet in whom god has placed his own words later in that chapter in chapter 8 verse 38 jesus says, i speak the things which i have seen with the father therefore you also do the things which you have heard from your father that's chapter 8 verse 38 And Jesus is basically saying that his own father is God, the true God, but he's going to say that the father of his opponents is actually the devil. And the pronouns are actually not there in the Greek text. It just says, I have seen with the father, and these are the things which you have heard from the father. But it's quite clear in the context that Jesus is making a distinction between those two father figures. But the point is... Jesus indicating that he is saying the things that he has experienced with the Father, because the Father has given those words and commands to Jesus to speak as his authoritative prophet. Later in that chapter, in verse 55, Jesus says, And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. That's chapter 8, verse 55. Jesus knows the true God, and Jesus keeps and maintains the true God's word because Jesus is that prophet who speaks forth the words of God. Now at the end of chapter 12, there's a long section where Jesus basically gives this final climactic speech, the end of his public ministry before chapter 13. Jesus kind of goes into private discussions with the disciples, so it's good to kind of read this passage as a whole. So this is chapter 12, starting in verse 44. It's a very powerful passage. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day, for I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. That's chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. And again, Jesus indicating that the Father has told Jesus what to speak and what to say the father has given to jesus a commandment and jesus speaks the things that the father told him to say because he's that prophet from deuteronomy 18 in whom yahweh is putting his own words into his mouth moving on chapter 14 verse 24 jesus says he who does not love me does not keep my words And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Again, Jesus continues to make this point. That's chapter 14, verse 24, that Jesus' words really don't belong to him. They belong to the Father who has commissioned Jesus as his authorized and empowered prophet, his agent. And later in that chapter, in verse 31 of chapter 14, Jesus says, But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. That's chapter 14, verse 31. Jesus is demonstrating the fact that he is completely obedient to the Father because he is subordinate to the Father, he obeys the Father, he's faithful to the Father, and in doing so, he obeys what the Father has commanded him to do, meaning the Father has said something to Jesus and Jesus fulfills that. So I think it's abundantly clear that the Gospel of John is portraying Jesus as speaking the words of the Father as the Father's authorized and empowered agent. And that, of course, is exactly what we would expect if the fourth Gospel is portraying Jesus as that prophet like Moses, in whom Yahweh has put his words. Let's move to the second point. Point number two, Jesus' prophetic speaking is witnessed to by many. And there are a variety of persons in the Gospel of John that will speak and will acknowledge the fact that Jesus really is a prophet. They will acknowledge the fact that Jesus is actually saying something, he is speaking something, he is testifying about something in a way that gives legitimacy to the fact that Jesus is this promised prophet. So there are so many persons that make this claim. I'm just going to go in the order that I've made my notes. So starting with John the Baptist. and John the Baptist talks about Jesus a lot in the Gospel of John. I'm just going to pick one particular quote just to make the point, and then we're going to move on and look at some other examples. So in chapter 1, verse 32, it says, John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and it remained on him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. That's John chapter 1, verses 32 through 34. So John the Baptist is effectively saying, look, I have found the Son of God. The Son of God is the one on whom the Spirit has descended, and of course, This means that Jesus is the one who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. and That, of course, means that God has given and empowered Jesus with the Spirit, and now Jesus is able to pour out and to give the Spirit to others. And that, of course, is what happens at the end of the Gospel of John in chapter 20 when Jesus pours out the Spirit. Jesus himself acknowledges that he functions as a witness. So in chapter 3, verse 32, it says, What he has seen and heard, this is in reference to Jesus, so what Jesus has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true chapter 3, verses 32 through 33. So notice Jesus is testifying about something because he has heard it. Well, from whom has Jesus heard it? Well, clearly he has heard it from God, the true God. So that's very important. So we can see that Jesus is able to testify in a way that gives legitimacy to his ministry. In chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus indicates that his own deeds prove the fact that he is the prophet in whom God is putting his word. So, it says, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. That's chapter 10, verse 25. So, Jesus says that I'm doing these works, these deeds, but I'm doing them in my Father's name. And so, those works that he does, Because the Father is empowering Jesus as the prophet to perform them, they testify concerning Jesus and give legitimacy to his ministry. Who else do we have? We've got the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, verse 39. And it says, From that city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Quote, He told me all the things that I have done, end quote. That's John chapter 4, verse 39. So the Samaritan woman acknowledges the fact that Jesus is not simply the Messiah, but that he has told me all the things that I have done. It's something about Jesus' words, his speaking, his commands, the fact that Jesus functions as the messianic revealer, of all things, and he does that because God has put his words into the mouth of Jesus. Who else do we have? We have those people who witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus. So in chapter 12, verse 17, it says, so the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. Chapter 12, verse 17. The people that witness this miraculous resurrection we're testifying about jesus who else do we have well clearly the followers of jesus the disciples in chapter 15 verse 27 jesus says you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning chapter 15 verse 27 so that phrase from the beginning indicates the beginning of jesus ministry from the beginning of their christian experience and they are going to testify and give legitimacy to jesus as the messiah as the son of god and the most important person that can give legitimacy to the son of god is god himself the father in chapter 8 verse 18 jesus says i am he who testifies about myself And the Father who sent me testifies about me. Chapter 8, verse 18. So, of course, the Father who has sent Jesus, who has commissioned Jesus, who has authorized Jesus as the Father's own prophet, is giving testimony about Jesus legitimizing his own ministry. So we have several people that witness to Jesus particularly in his role as this empowered and authorized prophet in whom the Father has put his own words. This moves us to our third and final point. Point number three, those who receive the agent receive the God who commissioned him. And so there's this very clear understanding in the Gospel of John. It's really, really important for its Christology in order to accept god the true god the father and to believe in him you absolutely must believe in the son whom god has commissioned you can't just believe in god you can't just believe in jesus you have to believe in both of them and understand that jesus has been sent by god and god is the one who has sent jesus in chapter 1 verse 12 it says as many as received him to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, chapter 1, verse 12. There's this interesting connection between chapter 1, verse 12 and the purpose statement in chapter 20, verse 31. So chapter 1, verse 12 says that people need to be believing in his name in chapter 20 verse 31 says that the readers should believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing they will have life, guess where, in his name. So this phrase of believing in his name kind of functions as an inclusio. It kind of bookends the beginning and the end of the gospel of John. But here it's those who receive Jesus are given the right, the privilege, and the authority not to become children of Jesus. They become children of God. Because God, of course, has sent his logos, his word, his wisdom into the world, and that word and wisdom became flesh in the human Jesus. And thereby, those who accept him and receive him will be become the children of God. In chapter 3, verse 36, it says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's chapter 3, verse 36. So you have to believe in the Son whom God has sent, and if you don't, then you're going to suffer the wrath of God abiding on you. So there's a connection between believing the Son whom God has sent and receiving the benefits, ultimately, from that God. And, of course, if you don't believe, and, of course, believing implies obeying the Son, then you are going to have to deal with God as well. In chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus himself says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Chapter 5, verse 24. So notice, to listen to Jesus involves also believing the one who sent Jesus. That's very important. We have more of this in chapter 12, verse 44. Jesus says, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me chapter 12 verse 44 We already read this passage earlier but it's important to recognize that jesus is indicating that you have to accept him as the christ and the messiah who truly has been authorized and commissioned by god the one who has sent jesus in chapter 13 verse 20 jesus says truly truly i say to you He who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. It's very clear the principle of agency that's going on here. We've got three tiers of it. We have the one who sent Jesus. Who is that? Well, that, of course, is the true God, the Father. The true God, the Father, is at the top. He sent Jesus. That's level two. That's tier two. And then Jesus, of course, sends the disciples. Because Jesus says, he who receives whomever I send, receives me. There's a connection between the disciples and Jesus, because Jesus sends them, and they are agents of Jesus, just as Jesus is the agent and the apostle of God. Another lengthy passage in chapter 14, starting in verse 21, Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. That's chapter 14, verses 21 through 24. Again, to accept Jesus and to believe in his words means you have to accept the Father as well, namely, the Father who sent Jesus. And finally, in chapter 15, verse 10, we have our final passage Where Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. That's chapter 15, verse 10. Clearly, Jesus has obeyed the commandments of the Father and the disciples likewise have to obey the commandments of Jesus. To accept Jesus is to accept the Father in whom Jesus is subordinate. So in sum, the Gospel of John puts considerable emphasis on Jesus as the speaker of the very words of Yahweh, whom the fourth Gospel defines as the Father alone. Jesus repeatedly admits that his words do not belong to him. They rather belong to the God who sent Jesus, and this makes Jesus the agent of God. Furthermore, several persons in the Gospel of John witness to and confirm the fact that Jesus is the legitimate spokesperson for the true God, rather than Jesus being some sort of false prophet. And lastly, we observed that the Gospel of John reinforces the promise that those who accept Jesus, the agent of the Father, also accept the Father who commissioned Jesus. The resulting Christological portrayal depicts Jesus as the highly empowered and highly authorized human prophet of the only true God, the Father. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please join us next week as we continue exploring Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. We'll be exploring part B, where the prophet is commanded to speak everything that Yahweh has commanded him to speak in his name. And so we will explore how the Gospel of John takes this passage seriously in its ongoing portrayal of the Johannine Jesus. Please look forward to our next episode. Now, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound and non-negotiable truths about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. You can support us absolutely for free by subscribing on YouTube or iTunes, by giving us an honest review on iTunes, and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a financial donation, You can either donate on PayPal with the link in the description of this podcast, or you can subscribe with a membership on our YouTube channel. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.